With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And if your great players are, are turds, then the young guys are going to act like turds. You know what I mean? I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, so you, you got to have really, when you have really good people that are the, the best players, that helps the locker room tremendously. We feel good about fall camp up to this point, uh, going against the defense. That we're, we're night and day where we were last year in terms of the scheme, and guys understand the scheme. So now whatever we throw at them, they can handle. And so now we're, you know, we kind of got to separate and, and, and get into some South Alabama, um, show them some clips so they get uh, familiar with what we're going to see. But we don't want to lose the edge and going against our defense because, you know, our defense is playing well and they're making us, making us better. Well, welcome to another edition here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Watch, and Nate Klaus. Are you guys sinkers or floaters, by the way? So I was trying to debate what's better. <laughs> like, you, know, you could get in a real discussion about what what is the the preferred uh how about not being status. a turd yeah well you're going to be a, i think he said that no matter what you're a turd so either you're going to float or you sink what's well better? he's uh, turds are turds float or they sink but at the end of the day you're still a turd yeah so don't be a turd <laughs> 20 well I, you know i've done i've kept kind of a running tally of attrition on this roster. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, oh, turd mentions during fall, fall camp or something. <laughs> it's got to be your first. <laughs> but since April of 2018, 27 different scholarship players have left this program. Now, a couple of those are academic guys, like, um, that didn't actually qualify, like Dominic Watt and, and, and um, Willie Canty. Some of those are medical guys, but they've had an attrition number of 27 scholarship guys since Patrick O'Brien was the first guy to leave Lincoln. Um, so it is interesting when you study those attrition numbers and kind of the culture change of this program, but it's a real thing. And you get the sense as they look at this football team, as we approach game week next week, they really like just the makeup of the culture of this locker room. That's got to be as big of a difference as there is um, on the team. Yeah, they're bigger. Yeah, they're faster and all that good stuff. But uh, the level of buy-in, I think, is there's really no comparison to what it was at this time a year ago. And like you said, there were guys that were still on the team that you know were processed even on into the season that didn't fully commit to the culture that Scott Frost was trying to uh, instill here. And um, he made that. He drew the line in the sand from day one. And credit to him. It didn't matter how talented you were. Uh, if you didn't do all the things necessary on and off the field, you weren't going to be a part Ty of what John Lindsay, doing. Exactly. Greg Bell. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, Avery and Roberts. Good players that, that probably could have helped them in some capacity uh, You know, were basically told to move on or at least encouraged to move on uh, because they weren't Cam doing – Cam Jones, C.J. Smith. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they weren't doing the things necessary. It, it goes beyond football with this program. And that's where you have not only the level guys that – um, you know, are, are better players, but I think that they're better off the field too. They're committed 
to football. They're committed to their academics. They're committed to their strength and conditioning and their diet and their sleep habits and all these little things that people take for granted that go beyond what you see on game day and on the practice field. And they still have a ways to go, I think, but just comparing how much progress they've made from August last year to August now is, uh, like I said, indescribable. Well, listening to you say that, Robin, one thing that just popped in my head is there's been a couple different players that have mentioned throughout fall camp that this team genuinely likes each other. Yeah. And that hasn't always been the case where you like you genuinely like everybody, not only in your position room, but like everybody in the locker room. And and now it's to that point where everybody likes each other. And I think I think when you have that, um, it, it makes it so much easier to go out and, and and you know, eat the right way, sleep the right way, and, and bust your butt on the football field and um, there's no, you know, there's no animosity. There's no like divisions and, and all that stuff. And, and I think that's part of the reason why we have seen, we saw such a drastic change in the, in the latter portion of last season after some of those turds <laughs> left, the, left the program. Well, and another thing, they not only like each other, but uh, one of the things that the staff has always said is they want guys who love football. And I honestly think they do have guys that love football. And it seems kind of, you know, basic to say that, yeah, you're a football player, you better love it. But to do all of those things, you have to have a true love and commitment for what your sport is and what you're doing and uh, to constantly strive to get better at that sport to watch football when you're not on the field or in practice or in meetings you know to truly love the game I think is another huge part in you know being wired to do all the things necessary to make yourself a better player. You're listening here to the Husker online show as we are giving some opening thoughts on fall camp as Nebraska now about a week away from their 11 a.m. ESPN following college game day kickoff game against South Alabama. And, you know, they're, they're getting into some South Alabama stuff, but I, I want to stick on the subject that we were just talking about. You talked to Robin about the sleeping, the lifting, the eating, all these things. And, you know, this is my 21st season, and, and I don't ever remember, like, a staff, like, talking about these things to the level of mm-hmm. accountability of the things they do and – it, it really just kind of speaks to how they want to turn this thing around because I just don't ever remember it being addressed at the level publicly it's been at, and, and, and it has shown. I mean, I thought the Big Ten Network's comments, Jerry DiNardo, you know, he went all hot take at media days saying Nebraska was not the favorite in his eyes. They're overrated to coming out here and said, you know what, I'm going to change my tune on that a little bit, and I put Nebraska right up there with Wisconsin and Iowa. I'll be curious when he does his official prediction because Jared DiNardo and Howard and Dave Rebson are the only guys that have been to all 14 Big Ten mm-hmm. camps, what he says for his official predic- uh, prediction. Yeah, and Nebraska was, I think, their second-to-last stop when they were here earlier this week, and the only school they hadn't seen was Iowa. Uh, so, I mean, he said – he made those comments with basically having seen um, the entire Big Ten West division outside of you know Iowa. So, I, I mean – that I think gives it even more credence that, uh, you know, this was a guy that came in with some doubts and had a lot of those doubts answered based off one afternoon on campus. And so I think that says a lot. It was kind of nothing what they said surprised or, you know, shocked anybody, but it was more affirmation of what we already knew about 
how much better this team is, um, how much better the culture is, the level of talent, the, just the overall strength and conditioning. And, you know, I think part of that is the, the priority that Frost puts on that sort of stuff to where, you know, he praises Zach Duvall on a daily basis, says he's the best strength coach in the country. And I think he truly believes that. Um, and he has evidence to support it. And then the, the hiring of Dave Ellis with the nutrition. I mean, that is an elite level nutritionist that uh, is handling one of the probably less talked about aspects of becoming an athlete, not just a football player. Uh, and that that's what your diet is and what you're putting into your body to fuel it. And so, I mean, just the, the science involved and what they do with these guys beyond, you know, those, those X amount of practices is what really has taken this thing to the next level. Yeah. And, and I don't know, this staff definitely talks way more about that extra stuff than any other staff, but I think they also do or pay more attention to all that stuff than any other staff that I've been around. Even, you know, Riley's staff, they had those, the catapult monitors that, that track, you know, how, um, how far guys run and, and heart rate and all that stuff during fall camp. But um, like Javon DeWitt was talking about guys like Tyron Ferguson and, and uh, Garrett Nelson and how their engines rev so high that they have to really pay attention to the, the, the feedback or the whatever. The heart rate monitors. The heart rate monitors that they, you know, and that type of stuff on those guys to, to know when to back them down, even in practice or, or to hold them out and, um, you know, how much ground they've covered. You know, if guys have tired legs, to, that they don't need to be out there uh, becoming more tired, even practicing inside. We asked uh, this past week, I forget who it was that asked the question, and they said, well, there's no reason to be outside in the heat if we don't have to be putting extra stress on these guys. And that's a completely different heat. philosophy than Way past different. coaches. Yeah, it's, and, but it makes sense. Why, why beat your team down in fall camp and limp into the season? Mm-hmm. And, and we've, we've heard these guys are, are fresh. They're, they're not really hitting the wall, so to speak, like, like what we've seen in the past at this point in fall Because I've heard like Kirby Smart say, he goes, we practice at 3 o'clock because we're going to play a lot of 3 o'clock games on CBS, you know, and we got to get used to the heat and practice. I mean, so there's different philosophies, but I think, yeah, having your body ready and fresh makes as much sense too. Well, I think that was the whole idea behind moving to morning practices. Is guys, you know, they had, there was science and studies involved that show your body – not only does it operate better early in the morning, but it, it gives you more time to recover. And then you, you add in the right emphasis too. on sleep and your nutrition. Uh, it kind of makes you a well-oiled machine. All right. Well, we're going to stick to more fall camp topics. We're going to talk offense and give some thoughts on this offensive line and more next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, Christian had a, a knee injury that's going to keep him out for the year. Uh, I think he's been our only potential season-ending guy. You know, some other guys are playing well. We obviously never want that to happen to anybody and feel for, for Christian. But we got some other guys doing good things too, and uh, those guys are just going to have to step up and be ready. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost addressing the season-ending knee injury to fifth-year senior offensive lineman Christian Gaylord. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. Five locations um, in Omaha, one in Lincoln. Get on into Tanner's. College football is back this weekend. Saturday night, you've got Miami and Florida playing that game in Orlando. Um, So we are here. We can watch some football in Tanner's um, and any one of those locations. But guys, let's get right down to it. That was really the first somewhat major injury of significance and I don't know. Some people made like a, a lot bigger deal about this Gaylord injury, but 
I just never, I mean, there was a point where I thought he could be a factor, and I felt like that door closed by the spring. Um, I felt like he was a depth guy, but never did I feel like Christian Gaylord was going to be a big part of this season for Nebraska. Well, I think the issue is that he is one of the few pieces of uh, veteran scholarship depth that they have at the tackle position. I mean, right now you're t- counting on a whole bunch of young guys that have hardly even played college football comprising the majority of your depth behind Brennan Hymas and Matt Farniok. So uh, I think that's where the concern sets in, that they were already thin to begin with, and now you take away a guy that you know had played as much football as anybody in that room, whether practice or not, uh, and you know now you're re- really relying on some young guys to get good in a hurry, because uh, that's a fine line. Um, if any of those two starters were to go down, the drop-off to, to the number three tackle at, at either side is pretty significant. Yeah, I mean, I never really looked at Christian Gaylord as someone who's going to push for a starting role, but at the same time, I think losing him does hurt for that very reason, that just – that he had as much experience as anybody. And to his credit, too, I, I feel like he looked as good as he has since he since he became a Husker. I mean, you didn't really notice a whole lot of difference by the t- from the time he came in as a freshman until uh, this past year. But this fall camp, I mean, he actually looked the part, too. And, and uh, so he'd obviously been putting in a lot of work. So, uh, you know, that, that kind of – you know, you feel for somebody who, who loses their season before it even starts. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus as we talk more stories on the offensive line. Cameron Jurgens, you know, we don't really know how much he got in this week, um, but I did see him completely lathered in a sweat, leaving the field on Monday in full pads, obviously no kind of braces on his legs. And I'm just curious, like, what kind of look – as we get into game week, you know, will that will this game allow it for him to get some live game reps? I mean, I think we all agree Will Farniak is going to be the guy week one, but you know, what will it take for them to to maybe want to at least entertain another guy there, or, or are they totally comfortable in Will Farniak? Well, yeah, I mean, Will Farniak's the guy right now, but you know, what is Cam Jurgens' future this season? What are some of those freshmen going to do? What would Ethan Piper, uh, or redshirt freshman AJ Forbes? I mean, all those guys have gotten a lot of praise. Uh, for their rapid development since since getting on campus. And so um, I think that's kind of the issue at center right now is, yeah, Farniak seems to be the guy as we talk right now, but will that be the case a month from now or two months from now to where, um, you know, Juergens will get healthy and more action and, you know, those young guys will continue to get repetitions. Uh, I mean, so I don't, I don't think that they may have their guy for week one, but I don't think this is any sort of solidified long-term Situation. I think it's going to be fluid uh, as we go through the re- basically the rest of the season. Yeah, I think it's going to remain fluid. And I mean, as far as Jurgens is concerned, I I'd be really surprised if we don't see them take take things very very easy with him, well, especially I mean, with his history. Yeah, I mean, there's no way you can you can rush this guy back, and and so. I mean, over I, under fifteen plays South Alabama. I don't think he plays at all during against yeah. South Alabama. Under, under, I, under definitely under. I, I, I'd be sh- I'd be shocked if he played at all the first couple weeks of the season. I think you have to keep the training wheels on this guy and and take it step by step, baby step by baby step, because you just if if you if he has another setback, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, I mean that yeah. that'd be detrimental to you know his overall development again and. I mean, you just—I think that would be terrible. So you you have to be very very careful. I'm sure they've got a plan in place and and everything. They always seem to to have a plan, but 
I don't know. I'd be very, very surprised if we see him taking meaningful snaps in the first half or first half of September, probably. Yeah, and they have been careful with him, and I think that's probably part of why the competition is where it is right yeah. now, is because they're holding him back. I mean, this is a guy that basically the last three or four years has been dealing with injury, and so I mean, yeah, you you have to treat him much differently than you normally would, and especially given how young he is and how yeah. bright his future still is, if he can finally stay healthy. Let's talk running back now, guys. I mean, I think that is a very intriguing position going into next week, mainly because we just don't know what's going to happen with Maurice Washington and how Nebraska's leadership is going to handle that situation. He's practiced from all accounts. He's had an outstanding fall camp, um, but there's still the pending legal thing that happened before Nebraska, and this is really the first true you know, fork in the road coming up where they're going to have to possibly make a decision without knowing how things are going to play out in the California court systems with, with kind of what's hanging over Maurice. And this thing may completely just blow over and be nothing, um, but nothing's happened. So that will be, as we get into next week, a, a real, real curious thing to watch, Robin. Well, and it just makes you wonder, like, I mean, what Frost's philosophy is going to be on this. I mean, obviously he's trying but to... Is it his choice, though? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure the university is probably going to have something to say with that. But, uh, you know, there's there's a saying in this country that you're innocent until proven guilty. And right now, Maurice Washington hasn't been basically found guilty on anything. Uh, I think a lot of the reason this hasn't been resolved yet is because the, the California court system is trying to make an example out of him. He's a high-profile p- person that uh, generated a bunch of headlines when they put um, his charges and Nebraska running back in the headline. And, you know, this is a, a relatively new law that has been recently uh, incorporated in, into the California legal system. And so uh, I think that's what's kind of drawn this out a little bit. And, um, you know, for Nebraska, I guess it's, it's – and, and for the university and for the program, it's going to come down to a question of, you know, how, how firmly are you going to stand by innocent until proven guilty? Or are you going to play it safe and, you know, not worry re- about the mob, re- worry about the, the reaction to playing a guy that has this stuff still looming okay. over his head. But Nate, would there be much of a mob? I mean, do you think there's going to be kind of the social media? I can't believe Scott Frost is playing him in this game. I, mean, I don't think there's going to be any of that out there. <clears throat> yeah. And that's I think that's the most important question is what what would the pushback be? if they went ahead and and you know he took he came out as a starter or, or you know played multiple uh, or had multiple carries in that first series of the season I, I don't think there would be much much pushback at all on I that. don't either I don't know There'd why be some but like be, it, nothing it like be, it was it wouldn't spring. be massive is right, anybody no. in the local media from any of the outlets you think they're going to go after this and and try to question Frost's decision on uh, this it's probably some there might be some <laughs> <laughs> Some outlets have prioritized that, prioritized that story more now. But yeah, yeah. But, I, but I almost feel like that that pushback is kind of played out now because initially, yeah, there was some some questioning and some yeah, pushback. And Nebraska held him out; they didn't play him in the spring game. Yeah. And now here we are, X but, amount of months later, and it's been business as usual with exactly. him. And he's matured, and, and he, he's it does become a better like, teammate. It does seem that way. So. What she needed to do. There's no question about yes, that. Sir. And I've I've gotten that information from not just the upfront coach speak stuff. Other people privately have told me Maurice has grown up. He has changed behind the scenes. So that is you know something. I think that's the biggest thing when you look at this young man. Frost knows what the structure of this program can do for a guy. Where if if they kept him away, the odds of him ever coming back would have been slim to none. Well, and he's seen it firsthand when he was a player here. So uh, I'm sure he knows kind of what this drill's like more than anybody. 
Well, when we come back, we're going to shift our discussion over to the defensive side of the ball as we're approaching black sh- black shirt week, we think. I mean, it's traditionally when black shirts get handed out. So oh, we'll boy. talk more about that next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. This is always hump week. You know, it's the week before you start getting the game prep. And those guys came out laughing, smiling, wanting to play football, a lot of energy. I didn't see any mush faces out there. I didn't see any gloomy gusses. I didn't see any of that. I mean, credit to Coach Frost, the culture on the team is, I don't know if it's where he wants it, but it's much, much better. And these kids love playing football and they love Nebraska and they're happy to go to work. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Uh, Coach Shenander was was kind of a soundbite this week, wasn't he, Rob? Yes, he was. That was interview gold. He, uh, of mush faces. <laughs> mush face. He said mush face, diddly, and turds all in the same interview. And he, so. he's, he's, he's dropped some <laughs> – he, he's had some four-letter word soundbites. Oh, yeah. I mean – He's he, not afraid to drop an S-bomb. Oh, yeah. McBride was like that too, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, McBride was a little salty at times on the podium when he got up there. But – Shenander's got a big week, guys. Um, you know, black shirts are coming out, and I mean, they kind of know who the guys are going to be. But let's talk black shirts. I mean, let, let's go defensive line. I mean, when you look at that group right now, we know a number of players are going to play. I'm going to say four black shirts right now, and, and you guys tell me if you agree, disagree. Khalil, Carlos Davis, Darian Daniels, Ben Stilley. Yes, agree. Anybody right, else? Right now. Does yes. it get down to DeAndre Thomas? Not yet. Damian Daniels. No. No. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, maybe not week one. Maybe not right out of the gates. Although DeAndre Thomas has, I mean, the praise that Tuioti and some of the other people have given him so far has been. And he's not high. getting a lot of like outside. I mean, a lot of fans I don't think are expecting him no. to be a guy right now, just because he only played the four games. And he really and hasn't. Riley played. played he wasn't ready when Riley played. I mean, no. like two sixty five playing the nose yeah. as a freshman in the Big Ten. <laughs> yeah, that was not good. Uh, but I, but I I would say he might be next up though. Would you? If, if he doesn't get it, he might be next up. I want to see it though live. Yeah. And my question with Damian Daniels is, will he play enough snaps to warrant a black mm-hmm. shirt? And we know Jakeem Green's not in the conversation for that today. I mean, he's ways away. I mean, he's only been here for two weeks. Yeah. Um, okay, linebacker. So on the inside, I think all three get him. I do too. I think Muhammad Barry. Obviously, Colin Miller and Cause, cause Will, Miller and, and Honus are essentially co-starters. Yeah, right now. so the three inside guys will get it. So we're at seven. At seven black shirts. Mm-hmm. Now this is the hard one. Outside linebacker. What do you think? Tyron for sure. Tyron for sure. Alex, Alex Davis. Davis for sure. Jojo. Jojo. Nate, you're a resident Jojo yeah. Doman expert. I would say not right now. Caleb Tanner, not right now. So you're going to go just two outside, three insides. Yep. So we're at nine black shirts. Yep. In the secondary, I'm going to say five. I'm going to say Deontay Williams. Yep. I'm going to say Markel Smuke, Lamar Jackson, Cam Taylor, DiCaprio Boodle. Does Cam Taylor get – I think the only debate would be Cam Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. But if he plays as much as they're hinting that, yeah. yeah. I mean, he's basically the next in line at every position. So <laughs> – so we're at four. I got fourteen black shirts right now. That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, but the game of football is different, man. It is, like it is different. There's no. I mean, the the old school get off my lawn non nickel defense Husker fan thinks that only eleven guys. But when you run a nickel as much as you're going to run a true base, 
you have to have a fifth defensive back. You have to have maybe an extra linebacker and, and an extra defensive lineman. So, well, especially when you have positions like inside linebacker, where it'll probably legitimately be a 50 50 split in reps. Uh, so it doesn't matter who starts because they're both going to have an equal contribution. And, uh, per, for perspective, Bob Diaco gave out 16 in his, in his one Bob year. Bob so, Yeah. Bobby D. At, at least, if, if that's the case, it'll at least be less than that. And a sweet Argyle sweater, right, Nate? <laughs> yeah. God, that picture. Is slick. I, I, anytime, like, we ran that story on Bob Diaco and how much he was getting paid at Oklahoma – Steve Rosen wrote it. I found I had to find that picture. I mean, and, and the the amount of traffic it got just probably because of that picture. I mean, it was like our most read story that month. One of the better pictures I've taken. It was up there. It was up there. I mean, there was there. There's been some good ones. Um, but all right, so we got 14 black shirts. That's essentially one extra defensive lineman, one extra linebacker, and a fifth DB. And I, I think you definitely five DBs in today's deal is is, is the norm. Yeah. yeah. I think so too. I, I think that it's not unreasonable. That's not a crazy number. Doman and Tanner are like the two that we don't really have a read on, and then obviously DeAndre. But yeah, I, I think fourteen is probably a, our Vegas number today. Yeah, and they've shown precedent that they're you know not afraid to give them out as the season goes on too. Remember Lamar Jackson earned one when he finally flipped his switch last year, so. Um, you know, that number could grow. I don't think it's going to drop. I don't think they're going to be ones to take black shirts away. Well, and I don't think this is – I think the, I think this unit is finally beyond that. Yeah. Where – That's where – that will bug me the most about Pelini and, like, just yeah. the, the Not inconsistency. And, like, when they give him out, how many they give out, who they're going to take him away. I mean, it's just like you're <laughs> kind of losing the whole point of this tradition a little bit. And, and then you had to be the media guy, like whose turn is it this week to ask yeah. about the black shirts to yeah. Bo? And <laughs> yeah, and it was always met really rece- received really well from him. <laughs> You'd find like some new number two or three TV guy at like a smaller station and be like, <laughs> "Can you ask the black shirt question?" Hey, kid with his job, first job out of college, go ask this question to Bo and see if he yells at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. Well, we let's talk linebacker. I want to stick on inside linebacker because that is. Of all the positions with depth right now, that's probably my biggest concern. I think there's two concerns I have for this defense, guys. Pass rush, who's going to be your go-to third down guy? Is it going to be by committee or can actually one guy get it? And then on the inside linebacker, can they get by with just three? Because I think we would all agree that step from Honus, Colin Miller to the fourth guy is fairly significant as, I mean, the depth right now has been so thin on the inside they elevated Zach Schlager immediately on Tuesday to the 110 roster and put him in practice just to give them another body to run scouts and other things because of the lack of qualified bodies they have right now at inside linebacker. Yeah, and I, I just don't see anybody in that next – after those three that you would depend upon in a game. I mean, I'm, there's certainly some you know young, surprising talent coming up the ranks, but they're not ready yet, in my opinion, and nobody has proven they're ready. So I think Nebraska, unless they're going to really rely on those three to handle the the bulk of the workload, they might have to get creative a little bit. And in some of those, you know, pass um, you know pass packages where you bring in an extra defensive back, maybe Doman slides slides into a linebacker spot, or um, you know, you you got to find ways to I think address that need through other venues as opposed to just relying on the guys that are listed on the depth chart behind those top three. But the good news is they're going to sub a lot 
I mean, I think Muhammad Barry is going to play a ton, but they're going to sub a lot, certainly between Honus and Miller. And so those guys should be able to stay relatively fresh. And <clears throat> if they can avoid injury, it might not be that big of an is issue. There, is there a guy on this roster, Nate, that could get eight sacks this year, or do you see a committee of guys in the four to six range? I, I think it's probably going to be a committee of guys in the four to six range again. I, I don't know if – I don't know. I mean, to get eight sacks, I think you'd have to be a pretty accomplished. That's towards the top of the conference. Yeah, you'd have to be a very accomplished pass rusher. And I mean, we just I don't think we've seen enough from anybody on the roster at this point in time to say that dude is an accomplished pass rusher right now. Where, you know, when Randy Gregory was in, I mean, when you're sitting in the press box watching a game, like you watched Randy Gregory on yeah, every yeah. third down, you're like, let's watch Randy. And, you know, he could single handedly change a game with a play and I just don't know if today we know enough about some of these guys and Darian Daniels could be that guy but the way you run a 3-4 that defensive end of the 3-4 is taking on a lot of times two guys so they may not be able to get to quarterbacks as easily yeah and that's really not the design of a 3-4 defensive end and so I mean who knows maybe Jakeem Green could uh, work his way into that role but uh, you know during the chat this week I think both Nate and I we were asked to predict who was going to lead the team in tackles, sacks, and tackles for loss. And with sacks, he and I both picked Alex Davis. And I think that's probably us drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. I did bit. Khalil Davis. Yeah, we, we, I think we're drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit to where uh, we're hearing so much about how much better Alex Davis is, uh, how it's finally coming together for him. And uh, he's really becoming that, that NFL prototype to where scouts are asking DeWitt and, and the other defensive coaches about him seemingly every day. And you have so, been drinking the Kool-Aid. Believe it when we <laughs> see it for sure. But, you know, when the coaches are spending that much time uh, talking about one player, there's got to be something to it. And so, like, the other part of it is there's no other people that you can say is a surefire leader. And so Alex Davis is my pick. All right. Well, when we come back, we are going to continue the fall camp discussion, this time in the mailbag. Husker Online intern Ali Snow will join us here in studio. We'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, at the end of the day, we're going to graduate five guys uh, at the end of the season. So I think it's beneficial for us to try to get their feet wet as much as possible with some live game reps. So I think if we can we can close the gap with that group, uh, we'll be sitting pretty for the future. So those guys, they have the, the athletic ability, but they just need live game reps to help us out more. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus, as that was defensive line coach Tony Tuioti. Um, talking about the depth he has on his defensive line and how much he really wants to work some younger guys, knowing that Nebraska graduates five seniors here in 2019. But want to bring in now Husker online intern Allie Snow as it's time for another mailbag. And I'm told, Allie, it was a pretty full mailbag this week. Yeah, lots of replies. There was like 22 replies, I think. So lots of good questions. So I hope you guys are ready. All right. Well, what do you got out of the gates? So for the first question, with fall camp coming to an end, what inexperienced upperclassmen made the biggest jump and will they finally see time on the field? All right, Robin, Nate, I promise I won't take like all seven of the names. I'll yeah, take right. just one. Yeah, right. I'll take just one. I'm, I'm going to be... Yeah, what he said, guy. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, but Javon McQuitty, I think, is the one I'll go with um, just because really, you know, a year ago we thought he'd get more of an opportunity. It didn't happen. It sounds, you know, I thought the most promising thing Troy Walter said this past week was all of the kind of the guys that aren't in that starting group that are kind of in the conversation, they've played well enough to kind of keep the freshman newcomers back where the true freshmen 
aren't really playing over them. It's guys like Mike Williams, Javon McQuitty, Jerron Woodyard, I think maybe holding on, kind of keeping those true freshmen at bay. So I'll go Javon McQuitty. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and I think you can make a case for a couple different people in that receiver room. Um, Mike Williams, to an extent, too, was another guy Troy Wolters talked about this week. Is He's a new Mike Williams this year. And uh, last year he played small. Uh, that was that was Walter's quote, and he meant that is he wasn't physical. He wasn't a physical blocker. Uh, he wasn't doing what they needed to you know, secure the edges in the running game, uh, and he wasn't making the tough catches in traffic. And so that is what held him out, or at least held him back last year after coming in with such high expectations. But now it seems like those have become priorities for him, and he's kind of taken that um, on, you know, taking responsibility of that to, to add that into his game. And now he could be a dynamic player for him that doesn't have to be taken off the field whenever they want to try to run the ball. Wow, one of my guys was not taken. So I'm going to go <laughs> Alex <laughs> Davis. There you go. Ooh, the, you're team Alex Davis. I'm team Alex Davis. And, I mean, this is a guy that Jawan DeWitt and really a handful of other coaches and players have all been talking about uh, where he's finally taken that next step, has really elevated his game. And I know that we've heard that before, but Javon DeWitt said the biggest thing here is that um, you know, this is like the first time that he's had the same position coach, the same defensive coordinator, and the same position um, in back-to-back years, and that's made all the difference in the world to where he's fully comfortable, he understands what he's doing, uh, and, and he's he's playing fast and he's making plays on the football field. So uh, I think he's an upperclassman who's really elevated his game. Okay, now we're going to move on to quarterbacks. It seems like Vedral is number two rolling into the season. It would also seem McCaffrey is gaining steam fast. If a back is needed late in the season, who would it be? It just depends on the situation. I mean, if it's like who's going to be the starter because Martinez is out, um, then it gets really debatable at that point. And I think today, right now, you still have to say it's it's um, federal. But we all know McCaffrey's coming. I thought Jerry DiNardo's comments from the Big Ten Network were extremely telling this week. He said Nebraska has as deep of a quarterback group, one, two, and three, as anybody in the conference, and think about the number four guy. He actually started a game for Nebraska, yeah. Andrew Bunch. So how many teams can say, like, they really have four guys that, you know, in the fourth guy started the game right now? Well, and not only are they deep, they're all young. I mean, all those guys are sophomores, essentially, or younger. And so uh, they got a lot to work with, and that's what makes the, uh, their situation unique. I think there's plenty of other schools that have three or four good quarterbacks, but Nebraska has three or four young ones that all, you know, you could make a case for uh, being next in line after Adrian Martinez. And what separates Nebraska from a lot of those schools is they have Adrian Martinez. And so, I mean, that's that's a pretty high bar to start. And then uh, with Noah Vedral, you know, I mean, every, every time you talk to Mario Verdusco, he's got nothing but praise for him. Says that, uh, I mean, he's bigger, stronger, he's throwing the ball harder than he's ever seen him. And then with his kind of incumbent knowledge of the offense, I mean, he's as well-versed as anyone on the team uh, in uh, Scott Frost offense. I mean, that's why he's right now the front runner to be that number two when that depth chart finally gets released. Yeah, and if, God forbid, if something did happen to Adrian Martinez, I think, that Vedral has more playing time in this system as anybody. And so I think they'd probably feel more comfortable going with him as opposed to McCaffrey. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think McCaffrey probably is going to end up being more of a dynamic player. His upside's higher. Yeah, his upside is higher. So, I mean, it, it all I think it all kind of would depend on what the situation was like. This one's a good one. What's been your biggest disappointment so far in camp? Um, 
I guess just less. Sh- I expected to see kind of maybe more shuffling on the O line to try different things out, and it sounds like they haven't done a lot of that. Um, I would have liked to have maybe seen or heard more about other guys getting a look at center, and maybe Jurgens is getting more of a look here in this third week that we don't know about. I know he looked in deep sweat when I saw him on Monday leaving the practice field, so it looked like he was engaging in in full type of practice. Um, but I would, you know, I would have liked to have seen just a little bit more shuffling on the inside, particularly with center and that left guard spot. Yeah, I was going to go the center position as well, uh, in particular, just Cam Jurgens not being able to uh, get get the reps to develop into that player that we, you know, all kind of hoped and expected that he'd be, based off the comments made by Scott Frost going into the offseason, where he's comparing him to Dave Remington uh, with his long-term trajectory. I mean. <laughs> Talk, talk about uh, getting the hype train full steam ahead, charging down the tracks. I mean, that 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 set an extremely high bar for, for Cam. And unfortunately, you know, I'm sure I know he's repping and when he's on the field, he's going pretty much full strength. But, you know, he just hasn't been ready, like fully cleared to take that next step and to become that type of player where, you know, he's a guy that has only been playing center for a handful of months now and he needs every rep he can get. And so that those injuries seem to continue to, to hold him back a little bit from what seems to be a sky high potential. I'd say maybe my disappointment would be at the middle or the inside linebacker position outside of those top three guys and Colin Miller, Muhammad Barry. It's a huge gap. Will Honus. Yeah. It, you know, I was anticipating hearing more about a guy like Jackson Hanna, um, who's done well, but it doesn't sound like he's, you know, set the world on fire. Uh, Obviously, Nick Henrich is missing at that position. Uh, Luke Reimer had a had a few days where, you know, had a scrimmage that was really, really good. And then he got hurt and has been limited. Um, I mean, Johnson's still hurt. Yeah. Joey Johnson's got a, a hamstring. So. I mean, it just seems like that fourth guy or maybe fourth and fifth, um, you know, inside linebacker, just you haven't heard a whole lot about, you know, anybody who's really stepped up and, and taken a hold of that spot right now. All right, we got time, Allie, for one last one. So do you got something lighter here uh, to end us on on a, on, a, on a light note? Yes, I do. Since this season's home opener kicks off at 11 a.m., what are your favorite Lincoln area restaurants for breakfast? Ooh. Well, if you're talking downtown, I don't think Green Gateau to me is about yeah. as good as it gets. Um, and they have a bar and they have Bloody Marys and um, and whatnot. So that would probably be because in this Haymarket area specifically, there really isn't like a go to breakfast joint. I mean, that's almost kind of what's missing right now down here, right in the rail yard Haymarket area. I haven't been to that one place. Was that like a, that 50s style diner that's in the uh, graduate? I haven't been there, but I apparently they there. do like a breakfast thing. So like Johnny Johnny's or yeah. J, something I, JJ's. I, I've never been there, so I'm not going to vouch for it. But I know that that's at least well, a yeah. Place. The donut places down here too. Oh yeah, Lamar's and Hertz. Uh, yeah, Hertz. So if you want like that, here's my advice: go to a tailgate and buddy up with somebody who's cooking something right there in the parking lot and uh, enjoy your time that way. Yeah, I've I've not really done any breakfast down here. Um, Although I know there's a couple, uh, like Virginia's Cafe on Ooh, on good. yeah, on, I've heard of great what, things uh, corn about Husker that. Way, yeah, way Cornhusker, east, yeah, Cornhusker, yeah, Tina's. Um, you guys yeah, ever been to Tina's? Yeah, Tina's. Oh my god, get a cinnamon roll. The cinnamon rolls there, yeah. <laughs> so you put I, on five pounds when you eat there. Yeah, I mean those are two. Those are probably the two spots. Green Gato is the best in town, it, though. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think that's that's got to be number one. What's yours, Allie? Uh, well, when I lived at Academy, I always went to Egg and I. 
that was just my go-to That's good. spot. So Can't it's go okay. Wrong with that. It's okay. It's just convenient. It does the trick. I, I forgot about that place. Jimmy's yeah. Egg is a good place too, like yeah. more south, obviously. But yeah, there just isn't anything right downtown um, for breakfast. So does Hopcat serve breakfast? I think they all probably do. Yeah, I'm sure. I think all, I think everyone serves at least something, you know, that you might be able to call breakfast. But you just hope Nebraska wins these 11 a.m. games because for the businesses down here, if they lose, it's just a ghost town. But yeah. if they win, people will stay down there all night, all day. So the 11 a.m. is a tough time for everybody down here to make some money. But let's get to 11 a.m. next week, guys. I'm looking forward to it. No doubt. Yep. About time. All right, Allie, thank you for joining us here in the mailbag. It's no problem. When we come back, we'll close the show. Nebraska got a new commit. We'll hear from Nate Klaus on that next. Here, you're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, Noah's going to be um, going to be great. He's going to be a great player here. Uh, right now, he's just really trying to catch on to the scheme. I'm moving him around a little bit. Started off the first couple weeks at, at safety. Now he's back. Now he's at corner. So I'm moving him around right now, just trying to find that natural spot for him right now. He's very versatile. Um, once he knows exactly what he's doing, that's when his real true skill. You start to see his real true skill right now. So he's kind of sometimes he's hot, sometimes he's more timid a little bit. Um, the trigger, um, but for the most part, when he knows what he's doing. Um, he's on point. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Final segment of the show. That was secondary coach Travis Fisher talking about Noah Paula Gates and maybe the impact he'll have for Nebraska here in his true freshman year. But let's get right to it, Nate. Um, as we talk recruiting, Nebraska gets another commitment. Commitment number nine from Shavion? Sevion. Sevion Morrison. He goes by Sevi. Sevi. But Sevion is his full name. Yeah, Sevion Morrison uh, commits to Nebraska. And, I mean, this is – I think this is a long time coming for him. Nebraska was the very first team to offer him, I believe, like last late October, early November last year. Um, I mean, he just had an amazing junior year, and Ryan Held was all over that. He was on top of it, uh, recognized the talent throughout the offer before anybody else, and then from that point, he went on and, and gained you know twenty plus other offers, and um, he just recently picked up one from Wisconsin earlier this week, but. This was, you know, Nebraska was at the very top um, or tied at the very top basically from the, the moment they offered. Um, I think Arkansas was another program that was uh, that he was heavily considering and uh, was probably the biggest threat. But um, with the type of offense Nebraska runs and with the relationship he had with Ryan Held, they were going to be really, really tough to beat. Now, he's talked about maybe going to take a, a visit to Wisconsin uh, since they just offered, but – I would be surprised if Ryan Held didn't kind of nip that in the bud, and uh, and and we see Sevion kind of stay uh, stay with the Huskers and and not take any other visits. And Morrison, the first commit um, since Will Nixon on July eighth, so over forty days between commitments, he becomes Nate the sixth commitment Nebraska's gotten since June twenty third. So they had a little run here over a two month period of six commits, but. Not quite the run that we thought, but I, I think we've talked about this a lot. I mean, this has kind of the, been the plan, I think, as they get ready for this season. Yeah, I mean, th this is not going to be a deal where they wanted to fill up fast. I mean, they, they feel like this season is going to be one to where they're really going to parlay, going to be able to parlay the, their momentum on the football field 
uh, with with their recruiting and um, and really you know reap the the benefit of of that. And um, the last thing you want to do is fill up really really early, go out and have an unbelievable season on the football field, and have all this new interest from other players, and have no room to take them um, or get the reputation of being a program that takes a commitment from somebody and then you know cuts them loose. And so I think that's how they're kind of playing it. You know, it's the Ohio State weekend is shaping up to be maybe one of the bigger recruiting weekends we've seen in an awful long time around here. And, um, you know, who knows what happens from there on out. But I, I think that it's just been a strategic kind of plan from Nebraska, and they feel like um, that they're going to really be able to capitalize on, on this season. And the last thing they wanted to do was have no room for guys. Let's talk more about Morrison, Nate. You know, he's, he's six foot, about 190. Um, I mean, what kind of back is he? I mean, you kind of compare him to guys on the current roster it seems like there's two kinds of backs. There's kind of the physical Diedrich Mills type, Ronald Tompkins type, and then there's the versatile type. How does he? Where does he fit? Yeah, you know, I, I think that I think he's more. I'm not saying he's Maurice Washington, but I think he's closer to Maurice Washington maybe than than some of the other backs. Um, you know, he's he's a real fluid runner. You know, Maurice when he's on the football field doesn't it doesn't strike you as being a blazer. But he covers a lot of ground, and he pulls away from people. And I think when I watch uh, Sevian Morrison's film, that's kind of what uh, one of my main takeaways is, is that he doesn't appear to be just uh, you know, super, super fast, but yet at the same time he's ripping off 40, 50, 60-yard runs and pulling away from, from everybody on the football field and making it look easy, just, very, just a very fluid runner. Um, you know, it covers an awful lot of ground. And so, um, you know, and I think he's kind of a versatile running back like Maurice Washington as well in, in terms of being a guy who could split out wide and catch a football, um, you know, and, and do a number of different things. And so uh, when I look at that, at that position in this recruiting class now, I think that uh, Morrison is one of those, um, you know, kind of versatile backs that can do, uh, a lot of different things can catch the football, can split out wide and play wide receiver, and I think they've got probably have room for more of a, a traditional, um, maybe more of a downhill guy um, that, that that could, um, you know, maybe be a little bit more physical. And that guy would probably be Marvin Scott the third out of Florida, who could be making a decision sooner rather than later as well. Yeah, you just look at it, and I think some people are like, man, how many do they need? But I mean, I think with running back, the way Nebraska wants to use them, Nate. You can never have enough of them. Yeah, you can never have enough. And, and the interesting thing about it is when you look at that room, you know, half the guys in that room, you could say, okay, well, he's not just only going to be a running back. He can, he's going to be, you know, getting touches as a wide receiver. He, he, can, he can do a number of different things. And, and so, um, you know, with some of those guys, I think it's a little unfair to just completely pigeonhole them in as being one or the other, a, a running back or a wide receiver. I think they can – uh, they can be multi-purpose players for Nebraska and, and and give them more of a you know create more mismatches in that regard and so uh, and I think that's what Morrison is I think he's more of a you know kind of fits more in that that duck R category if you will um, you know, everyone's kind of favorite buzzword there but that's that's kind of how I see it and and so when you have a number of players that can kind of fit multiple roles I, I think that that just lends to more versatility and, and kind of allows you to take more more players in that room anyway. All right, we're still a week away 
from the opener, Nate, but 11 a.m. game. It's still Labor Day weekend. A lot of kids will be playing or either their first game or second game on that Friday night. What's the odds for officials? And, and I mean, is it can do you have an early just snapshot of what weekend one might look like? Yeah, so I, I think it's going to – I'm think i sure there's going to be at least a few official visitors, but right now – you know, from every kid that I've talked with, um, every recruit that I've kind of touched base with here lately, it seems like the the big recruiting weekends are going to be the 14th for Northern Illinois because that's the first night game. Because you know it's a night game. Yep, and and then the Ohio State game. Um, and you know, and I'm sure Nebraska is hoping that that's a night game because of all the kids that are that are. Or at it. least a two thirty. Or at least the two thirty at the very least, and so. Um, you know, like I said, I, I think that they're going to be uh, a handful of recruits in for that first for the home opener. But with an 11 a.m. game, even though it's a holiday weekend, I think you are still somewhat limited. Um, but again, Nebraska still has to kind of pick and choose their spots here when they want to bring guys in uh, during the season. And, and it, right now it seems like they're kind of putting all their chips into the Northern Illinois and the Ohio State game. And, you know, even though it's a holiday weekend, they don't traditionally keep guys in. On, they, they get them home Sunday regardless. Yeah, you have 48 hours with a player and his, and his parents. And, you know, in the past, we've seen Nebraska try to do everything they can to maximize those 48 hours. And, and I think on the surface, that's a smart play. But I think also you want to maximize – their experience, not necessarily how much time they're on campus. So if you can get everything in and, and, and have a terrific visit and an efficient visit in you know a day and a half instead of two full days, then I think that makes more sense to, to do that uh, rather than just keeping them here for the sake of, of keeping them here for 48 hours. And, um, and this staff, I mean, it seems like they're all, they're all about being efficient and, and trying to maximize the, the overall experience. And, um, and sometimes, you know, it, things can draw out on that Sunday or whenever it may be that they're on campus and waiting to go back home. And there's only so much you can do or so many meetings. There's only that you so can much have. Misty's prime rib you exactly. can get out a weekend. Exactly. So, um, yeah, even though it's a holiday weekend, they, we, we haven't seen this staff go crazy um, you know, and, and hit hit that forty eight hour mark uh, with every single recruit that steps because there's on just campus. not a lot of entertainment value offered on Monday. Well, yeah, well, especially it's a business day, especially it's a on day. a Monday. Yeah, that's a business day, and uh, you know, and even on Sundays too. Low, I mean, if a player doesn't come in, um, you know, if he arrives midday Saturday for like a night game, let's say, and then um, you know, by the time Sunday night rolls around, like I, I think that that visit is things are starting to slow down and, and you're almost sitting there looking at the clock like, okay, you know. So it's typically brunch, Coach Frost meeting, get him in the car, take him to the airport. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and there might be one one other meeting in there or, or some, you know, maybe, maybe a lunch uh, involved. But, yeah, I don't think – I think their their theory is why stretch it out and and make it something that we don't necessarily have to make it if we can if we have enough time to get everything in all the pertinent things in. Well, Nebraska picks up commit number nine from Sevy and Morrison. Nate, thanks a lot. You bet. All right, lots to follow and keep track of. We are less than a week away from Nebraska South Alabama. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.